I was expecting you. Today, tomorrow, yesterday. It was only a matter of time. Welcome to John Adams High, where you are gonna die, that's right. Hey, little bro, life's tough, get a helmet. They just shot the neighbor! The Vegas! Well, Sean, I don't want you to take this the wrong way, but you're kind of a babe. The Secret of Life by Plays of Squirrels. Underpants. Mr. Feeney? Mr. Feeney! I love the Feeney call. Welcome, everyone. This is the Feeney podcast, the best podcast out there for recaps of your favorite sitcom of the 1990s, Boy Meets World. My name is Josh, and with me I've got my good friend Jacqueline. Hello. She'll be... uh, hosting here with me and providing all of the fun color commentary for this. So a pretty simple premise here. Uh, Really what we've got going on is we are going to watch all of the episodes of Boy Meets World one by one and give a recap uh, and try to provide some insight into what was happening in the world through the eyes of young Corey Matthews. Excellent intro to the podcast. Um, For those of you who are unfamiliar, Boy Meets World premiered in... 1993. So we were what, like six years old then, right? That's right. So perfect age for this show when it came out. And I think being six years old when the show came out, we were really like the perfect age to appreciate the show. And then um, we kind of grew up with it and the show aged along with us. So I think there's a lot of people in their 20s and 30s right now who were huge fans of this show growing up. And um, it really holds up over time and also carries a lot of nostalgia. So I'm super excited to rewatch it all. Yeah, it's been a while since I've seen a lot of these episodes. Um, just for some more background. So as Jacqueline mentioned, it debuted in 93. It was part of ABC's TGIF lineup, which I think we all uh, can remember yes, and love. Yes, the best. Um, it had the uh, It had the 8.30 slot as it debuted. So Family Matters was on at 8 and then Boy Meets World, and then Step by Step, and then Hanging with Mr. Cooper. Classic. Yeah, so uh, it had that time slot every year that it, it aired. Uh, it aired for seven seasons, except it moved to 8 p.m. in its final season, which I think is probably a little bit better of a slot. I, when I was looking at the TGIF lineup during my research, I was surprised that it was on so late. Nine o'clock is is late for kids, don't you think? Yeah, I'm not sure I ever remember watching a lot of the shows that were on at like nine or nine thirty. It was like the first couple were definitely, you know, it was Full House stuff like that, and then and then we kind of yeah, moved I mean, on. I was I was surprised to see that like eight thirty for Boy Meets World seems late to me. I thought it would be on at like seven seven thirty, but those were wild Fridays. Uh, if you if you weren't watching TJF, what were you even doing? So we've got seven seasons, 158 episodes. We're going to start today with the pilot, um, but I think we should start first with some background around how the show created and and who everyone is. So obviously, Ben Savage is the lead character. He had just turned 13 in real life when this pilot aired. He's playing an 11-year-old, so that, that kind of checks out. And uh, his acting debut, Jacqueline, I don't know if you know this, was in Little Monsters with his older brother, Fred, who's four years older. Uh, it also starred Daniel Stern and Howie Mandel. Yeah, I I don't remember Daniel Stern being in that movie, but I distinctly remember 
Howie Mandel. That movie was freaky and it scared me as a child and I hope to never rewatch it. That's, uh, I have never even heard of it. So that's funny that you've seen it. There's like monsters that live under Fred Savage's bed and they come out and they're weird looking. And it's the first time I ever heard anybody use the phrase malarkey. Uh, and <laughs> it was just really scary. Interesting. Well, uh, that propelled Ben Savage's career. Uh, I'm sure we'll be talking about the brothers more and more as we go. Fred makes a nice uh, cameo appearance really late in the series, actually. But Did you know, I'm sure you already researched this, but the show was actually titled when they were doing auditions and the pilot, it was the Untitled Ben Savage Project. So the creator of the show actually like wrote the show for Ben Savage. He thought he was so talented and so cute and um literally when they were auditioning the rest of the cast it was the untitled ben savage project because he just was perfect and they made the whole role around him interesting i didn't know that uh speaking of the creator though so it's michael jacobs mm-hmm. was one of the creators of the show he had previously done charles in charge uh he did dinosaurs that that fun i didn't cartoon. know that yeah uh, and then he really puttered out because then he did Girl Meets World, which I'm sure we will make references to as the show goes on. Sure. Bummer. Um, and then April Kelly is the also, she's also credited for creating it. And she was a writer on Happy Days and Mork and Mindy. So some pretty big powerhouses. And then the casting for this show was done by Allison Jones, who if anyone kind of watches a lot of TV now and, and watches a lot of sitcoms will know her name. Uh, she has cast in shows like The Office, Parks and Rec, Arrested Development, and a ton of others. Wow, interesting. Yeah, so I don't know if it was her uh, who kind of helped pull Ben Savage in for this this project or just built the cast around it, but I, I would say the cast is definitely one of the strengths of this show throughout the years. Yeah, totally. So we'll talk about everyone else as they kind of come up, but we've got Ryder Strong, maybe one of the all-time great names in yeah. history. Excellent name. I mean, Ben. I mean, Savage is a pretty awesome name too. But Ryder Strong is is pretty unbeatable. That is true. Uh, he was born in 1979, so he's nine months older than Ben Savage. So they were about the same age. And uh, Ryder Strong's debut was in a TV movie starring Mark Harmon called Long Road Home. I uh, I, I don't think I caught that one. <laughs> yeah, no, not, not me either. Must um, have missed that one. That brings us to, I think, the last person we need to introduce before we dive into this show is uh, William Daniels, who plays the title character from uh, from our podcast here, which we've honored the podcast by naming it after the Feeney podcast. Uh, William Daniels is Feeney. He was born in 1927, which makes him 93 years old, I think. Wow. Uh, so very impressive. He's been married to Bonnie Bartlett since 1951, which is uh, nearly 70 years, which is incredible. And fun fact, she plays his wife on the show in later episodes. The cast did a reunion at, it wasn't Comic-Con, but it was like one of those Comic-Con-like pop-ups. I think it's put on by a sci-fi channel. And they had like the panel of the cast and she was on it. And I was like, why the hell did they invite Bonnie Bartlett, who was in like a couple of later seasons and had kind of a small role. Um, and then as they were talking, I was like, oh, they're married. And that's why she's on this panel. <laughs> yeah. No, that's funny. Um, yeah. So 70 years together, that's super impressive. 
Uh, Feeney, before he was Feeney, was uh, in Scene Elsewhere in the 80s, where he actually won a couple of Emmys, and uh, he was the voice of Kit in Knight Rider, which I never caught a lot of episodes of that, but people seem to to have a, a strong love of that show. I have never seen it, but it, I believe it is iconic. Like People just know it, and it's kind of one of those things. He also played a uh, lovely little... I don't know what it's called. A small character arc on Grey's Anatomy. Oh, interesting. He played a doctor that worked with uh, Christina Yang. Excellent. Yeah, he's been around. He was the president of the SAG, the Screen Actors Guild, for a few years in the late 90s, early 2000s. So I think think he's a well-known actor amongst his peers. Awesome. So... When we first had this idea for this podcast, all of the episodes of Boy Meets World were on Hulu. And uh, since the new release of Disney Plus, um, and I guess Disney owning the rights with ABC and uh, Girl Meets World was on Disney. So they own this show now and they have all of the episodes streaming on Disney Plus. So if you'd like to follow along with us as we go through episode by episode, Disney Plus is the place for you to go. And um, they do offer a seven-day free trial. So if you have time to watch over 150 episodes of Boy Meets World in a week, uh, you can do that. So just throwing down the gauntlet to anyone who wants to attempt that. Uh, Or you could just support Disney's continued taking over of the world and just give them a few bucks every month to enjoy their streaming of Boy Meets World. Yeah, the uh, the subscription's not too bad, really, especially we're in quarantine. Uh, it should be noted that Jacqueline and I are recording from separate locations. We are not in the same room. Uh, we are social distancing ourselves, so we're staying safe, and, and hopefully you all are too. I would not recommend watching 150 episodes <laughs> all in a week. I would recommend uh, doing it little by little, but you know, whatever whatever works for you, I guess. Yeah. I mean, some people got some time on their hands. I don't know. I'm not here to judge. Awesome. So let's dive in to the episode now. Um, I've got it kind of broken down scene by scene, but we can kind of jump around and talk about uh, whatever feels good here. But here we go. We we start the show off in the cafeteria at John Adams High. Uh, Jacqueline, do you know why the high school or the, the school that they're at here is is called John Adams High? No idea. Well... It was a reference to William Daniels, who had a long run in the play 1776, in which he played John Adams. Interesting. Yeah, so they kind of did that as an homage to him and his run, which is how he kind of came up and and got notoriety. So they named it John Adams High. Uh, They are also, it should be stated, in Philadelphia. Uh, So having a a throwback to the revolutionary times is, is probably not uncommon for schools in that area. I have the Hulu overview here, which I, I stole before it left Hulu. Uh, nice. But it doesn't give us much, so maybe you can fill in the blanks on the uh, storyline here. <laughs> Hulu's description of this was, love is a many confusing thing for 11-year-old Corey Matthews. Mm, yeah, so basically, we're, uh, it's the beginning of the school year. We're introduced to Corey, his family, and his friends. And uh, he's getting some hard-hitting life lessons from his teacher slash neighbor, Mr. Feeney. Uh, and that is pretty much the description for every episode of Boy Meets World. Yeah, that's going to be a theme. <laughs> um, yeah, pretty much. You know, I, I think a lot of TV shows kind of follow that similar arc where 
the main characters get themselves into some sort of trouble and do something, and then they learn a lesson somehow, usually from one of the the more senior characters. In this case, Feeney is the one dishing a lot of advice. Um, but also Corey's parents do a, a fair amount of this as the show goes on as well. Yes, definitely. So uh, we start in the cafeteria, John Adams High. Uh, we see a kid trying to open his drink with one hand for some reason, which is hilarious. And uh, then we've got Corey and Sean, who we know is going to be a staple of this show and, and is in every episode of the show. Uh, and then they're with a friend with a squints looking kid with a bowl cut is my note here. And, and as we know, uh, most famously, this, this kid who does not appear in any of the other episodes of Boy Meets World was most famous for playing squints in The Sandlot. Yeah, it's really weird to see him in modern times. Like, I was like, he was a kid in the 90s. You know, you forget that like The Sandlot also was filmed in the 90s and I pictured him existing only in the 60s or whenever the sandlot takes place so it was very jarring to see him with Corey and sean yeah this was a, a big year for him uh because this is the same year that the sandlot came out 1993 was the debut of this so he had a he had himself a big year in 93 and i'm not sure much happened for him after that no don't think so <laughs> we've got some vending machines i noticed there's a regular candy one there's a coffee vending machine and then there's one with apples and oranges which i i don't remember ever seeing in my elementary and middle school days i made that same note like there's this whack-ass vending machine that's just filled with apples and oranges like it's gonna just drop your apple down there and bruise it up and what elementary school kid is buying an apple out of a machine it's just ludicrous yeah no none of them uh i don't even remember i mean getting vending machines i think in high school what jacqueline and i went to high school together and you can correct me if i'm wrong but getting vending machines for like soda and stuff in high school is like a huge deal i don't remember them really being around that much i remember there being a fruitopia machine and i'm pretty sure one that just was full of like cheetos and pop tarts yeah that, but, that sounds uh, about right yeah, yeah. Oh, man, I drank a lot of Fruitopia in those days. Oh, that stuff was gross. But we definitely did not have vending machines in elementary school. That I am sure of. Yeah. Oh, no, this was middle school. They're, They're middle in school, sixth grade. Which I, I remember actually it, at Windsor Knowles Middle School, shout out, go, uh, what was the mascot? Windsor Knowles? Wolverines. Oh, Wolverines. Good memory. Uh, there were vending machines outside of the school, like outside the front door. And I lived maybe a hundred yards from the school and uh, we would go over and like buy things from the vending machine in, in on like the weekends. Your mom didn't buy Fruitopia for the house? No, unfortunately that was banned in the Shaw household. <laughs> All right. So then we dive into this whole conversation about how late everyone gets to stay up watching Steve Lawrence. Was that a, uh, a reference that resonated with you at all? No, I have a note that says, who the hell is Steve Lawrence? Well, I'm glad you asked. <laughs> Steve Lawrence was a musician, and he appeared frequently on the Tonight starring Steve Allen show. Uh, so he had a number one hit song, Go Away Little Girl. And uh, Frank Sinatra actually was known to have repeatedly said that the best male vocalist he ever heard was Steve Lawrence. Okay, so I had another note saying, what night show do you think they're talking about with the monologue thing? And apparently it's the show of another guy named Steve that I've never heard of, Steve, Steve Allen? 
Oh yeah, the Tonight starring Steve Allen uh, is yeah. That's what I see here too. Wait, just not ringing any bells at all. I know Conan came in a little bit later. No, yeah, and obviously I think Letterman was going strong at that point. But yeah, I I have never heard of any of that. So the the fact that these kids were staying up late to particularly watch the show is is surprising. Yeah, not all of these um, '90s references are going to be winners. Not so much. So we we get through that scene, and then we get our first Boy Meets World opener. Now, this is going to change throughout the years. Uh, This is kind of the classic, classical music, upbeat, everyone's got their own kind of wacky intro, but uh, this changes throughout the years. Yeah, this one is the one with the flying paper airplanes and the Band-Aid and all this stuff, and they have a bunch of different opening sequences. Did you notice that Minkus is in the opening credits? I did notice that. Yeah. So Minkus is in there, but Topanga isn't actually. Yeah. And and we'll notice that Topanga, uh, we'll track kind of how and when these characters come and go from the scenes. Um, But yeah, Minkus is in there. No Topanga. And and Minkus will we'll talk about this a little bit more because he debuts himself some more in the second episode. But Minkus will appear in every episode of the first season and then in only one other episode the entire rest of the show. Whoa. Apparently something happened from him. Uh, Chauncey Leopardi is is Squints. He was not in the Boy Meets World opener, but wanted to give Chauncey a shout out by name there. Uh, and then we do get all of the rest of the kind of regular cast members, mom and sister and brother and, and all of that good stuff. Is Sean in there? Yeah, Sean's in there. He's featured uh, as a as a main person in the opening credits, and then William Russ, who plays the dad of Corey on the show, he gets last billing. Uh, it's an and William Russ, so I know that that's negotiated often in contracts, and so somehow William Russ is the uh, the last build on the on the show here. So that's the opening. We'll we'll kind of track the changes as that goes on. Um, the next scene, kind of first scene after that, is in the classroom, and they are with Mr. Feeney who we find out is teaching them Romeo and Juliet. Romeo and Juliet, I feel, is a little bit advanced for sixth grade. Yeah, I think that's probably right. I remember I remember Romeo and Juliet maybe in in high school, maybe ninth grade. Like ninth grade, yeah. Yeah, that seems right. I mean, Shakespeare's hard to to understand kind of for anyone at any point. I, I'm not sure these these middle schoolers are really understanding what's happening. They also are reenacting the scene where um, Romeo discovers Juliet in the crypt dead and Squints is playing Romeo and he has a super duper realistic fake knife that like looks like a real knife. And I'm watching this. I'm like, this would never fly in schools today. Like even as part of a class exercise, you would not have that knife. No, that's a that's a great catch. And that is then uh, preceded by one of the best lines of the episode, which is the female student playing Juliet, who I don't think we'll ever see again. Uh, no. But she says, you touch me with that knife, you better kill me the first time, which is pretty funny. <laughs> <laughs> that, was, that was a really good exchange. Um, so right off the bat, we're getting some of that back and forth humor. Even that first scene, you get a lot of quick quips and, and you're realizing the show is going to be pretty fast with the jokes. Well, yeah. In the first scene, Corey and Feeney have this great back and forth. And Corey is giving Feeney a lot of tood. And it's hilarious. You could definitely see why the creators like loved Ben Savage. He can totally hold himself against – 
William Daniels, uh, who is like a bit of a prolific actor and like 40 years older than him at this point, probably. And he's totally holding up against him. And they're like having a really funny back and forth. Um, so that definitely like goes on throughout the show and throughout this episode. I was just telling uh, my fiance, Jamie, that she has not seen the show very much at all. I'm not sure she's seen more than a handful of episodes. And I, I was noticing Corey is very likable in the first few seasons of this show. He, uh, unlike, a, I think, a lot of TVs where like the main character in a sitcom is kind of dry and, and kind of not likable. And it's really his ensemble cast that does a lot of the the joke work. In this episode and, and in a lot of the future ones, Corey as the main character is really a really likable kid. Yeah, definitely. So he, yeah, he's got some good back and forths. Then we uh, cut to one other thing I think, Jacqueline, we should track here is what Feeney wears each episode. Um <laughs> I counted three different colored sweater vests in this one. And uh, I think that's something we should kind of track to see if that, that holds up or whether he, he kind of advances with the style of the 90s. Yeah, I have many notes on the attire. As you can probably guess, it's like one of my favorite parts about watching stuff from the 90s is the the clothing and remembering like what I was obsessed with back then and what I thought was like so fashionable. Um, so I'm loving all of these 90s ensembles. We haven't had too many females yet uh, for me to enjoy their clothing, but the guys have been just as entertaining. Um, it is September, so sweater vests, not really necessary as uh, from a warmth perspective this time of year. So we are left to conclude that that is just a fashion choice by Mr. Feeney, the sweater vest look. Uh, so that's just his style, man. He loves it. He's wearing a yellow sweater vest in this scene. Uh, we'll, we'll see a couple of different color ones later on. But yeah, the yellow sweater vest is our first uh, introduction there really is is jarring, honestly. Yeah, yeah. Yellow is an aggressive choice. So we cut over to Corey and his brother Eric's bedroom and the living room. We, we cut to their house. Um, you notice right off the bat in some of these cut scenes, they live in a very nice house. It's a single family home. You see the front of the house a couple of times. And for a, a grocer, and you know, I'm not sure what we know, if we know what the mom does, but uh, they live in a quite a nice house. I think you may have skipped over some pretty important plot points from the classroom scene. Sure, sure. So Corey is wearing these earbuds in class that I think look to be ahead of their time. I remember headphones in the 90s being like these huge things or having those big like spongy pads that sat outside of your ears. Yes. But he had these teeny little earbuds in his ears and he's listening to a Phillies game. That's right. During class while Feeney is uh, trying to teach Romeo and Juliet to these boneheads. And I have a note here, there aren't very many day games in baseball. So do we know what exactly what game this is that he's listening to during school? That's true. That's a good uh, question. It brings us to a lot of sports references that happen in this episode. <laughs> uh, if you are not a fan of the early 90s baseball, there are a lot of things that are going to go over your head in this episode, um, very specific to the Phillies as well. So um, yeah, there are occasional day games. I know currently I'm in San Diego. The Padres generally, anytime they're home on a Wednesday, 
Uh, Wednesday is their home game day. So um, it's not inconceivable that this is a day game and he's trying to listen to it. He's doing a terrible job of hiding it, but we get a lot of different players referenced here. So we've got Dykstra on second, Kruk on first, 3-2 to Dalton. So Lenny Dykstra was a center fielder. He was a uh, hit four home runs in six World Series games that year. So I'm, I'm assuming this is 93, which is when the show aired. And in 93, the Phillies actually had quite a good year. They won the pennant and they beat the Braves 4-2 in that uh, in that series. And then they lost to the Blue Jays in the, in the World Series 4-2. So they had a really good year this year. It's not inconceivable that the kids of the, the Philly area would be really into baseball as they make a pennant run. Yeah. So... Corey's listening to this game. I, I think, correct me if I'm wrong, but I lived in Baltimore for many years. The Orioles only do like one, maybe two day games per season. The Padres really do like multiple. That's crazy to me, but that's cool. Yeah. On the West Coast, people don't really work that much. Uh, so especially in San Diego, there's a lot of uh, people out and about during the day. So yeah, they, they have almost every Wednesday that they're home have uh, day games. Very interesting. Um, so Feeney obviously sees that Corey is listening to the Phillies game instead of paying attention to class because Corey is doing a terrible job of hiding it. And Feeney, of course, takes his Walkman and puts the earbud to his ear and he's like, oh, Dalton got a piece of that one and then cuts it off and doesn't tell Corey if he if he scores or not. Uh, R.I.P. Darren Dalton. Um And then Corey, of course, is affronted at this, and Feeney gives him a whole speech about the importance of Romeo and Juliet and the power of love and all of this, and to which Corey responds, Are you aware that I'm only 11 years old? Are you aware that you have detention Friday afternoon? And it sounds like a really dumb line, but I almost did a spit take when I was watching it. His facial expression when he's just like dead deadpan says that to Feeney is so funny. And uh, that is the first of many times in this episode that Corey will reference the fact that he is 11 years old. The writers like really wanted us to know that he's 11 years old. He says it so many times. Yeah. And it's, it's a good, cause Feeney then responds, are you aware you have <laughs> detention Friday after school? So a really good kind of clever line. <laughs> no, I did not know that. <laughs> <laughs> so Corey has detention on Friday now. Womp womp. Yes. Uh, that is the first, probably something else we could track is the number of times he and Sean get detention throughout the years, but one episode in and he's already got one. And Sean did not get detention. Just Corey. No. Yeah, Sean is behaving himself this episode. Mm. Um, All right, so Corey's got detention. He goes home. We see this nice single-family home. It's a classic ABC house in which has a staircase in the front and the back of the house. Every Uh, 90s (laughs) TV show, they got two staircases, full house, family matters, step-by-step, all these houses, two staircases. Like, is that even a thing in real life? I, I've been trying to remember whether I've ever been in a house that has two staircases in different parts of the house. And I, I can't remember. I think maybe one and I don't remember where it was. But yeah, this is apparently an ABC thing. Well, it certainly makes uh, people entering and exiting easier. So I'm sure that's why they do it. But definitely as a child gave me some unrealistic expectations about staircases. Yes. Yeah. 
So uh, we get a couple of new characters introduced here. We've got Eric, uh, who we'll talk about at length. He ends up becoming one of the more interesting character arcs in all of TV, I would uh, <laughs> I would argue. <laughs> Eric is... Okay, so... You know how, like, when you're a kid, you have crushes on people, like, other kids slash celebrities, and then you look back years later and you're like, what was I thinking? That was some prepubescent man-child, who, and I can't believe I was ever attracted to them, but, like, at the time, you think they're such a hunk, like, like, girl, like girls fanning out over Justin Bieber or whatever, and at the, you yeah, know, I you look- Yeah, I see where this is going. Right, so- I rewatched this and Eric walks in. He is such a hunk. Totally holds up. <laughs> he is <laughs> so dreamy. And he walked on and I was like, oh my God, you're so cute. I take, I regret nothing. Such a crush on him. He's so, so cute. And he's like with his hair and his cute gap outfit. Oh, I just loved it. So he was, he was probably like, 16 or maybe 17 when this was being filmed um but yeah super cute totally holds up totally hunky yeah played by will friedel uh he definitely is obsessed with his hair he was born in uh 76 which would have made him let's see 17 yeah exactly right uh right around when this show was coming out and uh one other thing here that we're tracking is who is eric dating at the time uh, so in this episode, he mentions Heather Rolson. He has his first date. Uh, Eric's in 10th grade at this point. So he's a few years older than his brother. So we get Eric and then we go downstairs and we get our first glance at Morgan, Eric and Corey's little sister, who is uh, first played by Lily Nixay. She's adorable and very precocious and uh, is, I think, only around in the first two seasons before they sort of write her character off and then bring her back with a different actress. Yeah, exactly. So Morgan is a classic character played by two different folks. Uh, Lily Nixay is the one, exactly as Jacqueline said, who plays the character of Morgan in the first couple of seasons. She is, I don't know if you looked her up, but she is smoking hot now. I I did not look her up, but I'll take your word for it. Yeah, very beautiful. She's starred in some plays since then, but not much acting since her early Boy Meets World days. Maybe she's still living off the residuals. From two seasons, maybe. Yeah, I don't know. She is definitely precocious. It's a great word to describe her. This kind of falls in line with a long list of TV youngest siblings who are way too smart for how old they are. Lots of examples of this. Bob Spurgers comes to mind as a more recent example of kids just knowing way too much and having much too big a vocabulary for how old they probably are. But uh, it definitely makes for a, a funny, funny character. So we get introduced to the family a little bit. Eric's going to go on this date, and uh, we find out that Corey, who was supposed to go to this baseball game with his brother on Friday, is now being replaced because Eric's going to take his uh, his first date instead. I think a baseball game is a really bold choice for a first date. I mean, they are long, and I don't know. I don't think that would be my first choice for a first date. Yeah, well, as we find out later, uh, it ends up being a terrible idea for a first date because uh, the date does not <laughs> go very well. I um, I don't think I've ever been to a, a sporting event on a first date, but I did go to a minor league hockey game on a second date, and 
it also did not go very well. That was the the final date that we had. Sure. So uh, some advice <laughs> here from the dating world and from Boy Meets World. Uh, sporting events should be avoided as first couple of dates until you both really can decide that that's something you both want to do. So Eric has the tickets to the Phillies game and he tells Corey, sorry, I'm taking this girl instead. And Corey is pitching an absolute fit because apparently if the Phillies win this game, they're going to be in the playoffs. So it's a big game. There's a funny line where he says, going to going to the Phillies games together is our special thing. And Eric says, I'm trying to get a special thing going with Heather, which made me chuckle. But surprisingly, Corey's parents are not at all sympathetic to the fact that Eric just ditched Corey. They are just psyched that Eric has this date and they tell Corey basically go pound sand like your brother doesn't need to take you to the game which I thought was kind of funny that they just didn't even sympathize with him at all they were just like get over it Corey yeah I'm not sure that would have been the way things went down in my uh, household I think if I had promised my little brother that I was going to take him to a baseball game I mean, first of all, I wasn't getting a date to replace him. Let's be honest. That just was never a realistic scenario for me. I'm but, glad that you, uh, you said that and I didn't have to. But um, <laughs> your mother would have 100% forced you to, to take your brother <laughs> to the game if you had already told him you were taking him. Yeah, absolutely. That was that would have been the, the deal. I also don't think that as a 16-year-old or however old he's supposed to be, taking his little brother. I'm not sure that I would have been allowed to do that. Even if we had lived close to a stadium, uh, I'm not sure I would have been allowed to go to a baseball game with my little brother unsupervised. These are different times, man. Different times. That's right. All right. So Corey is upset. He's not happy. Um, We do a quick cut back to the school cafeteria. We see Feeney eating lunch. Uh, He's eating in the cafeteria, which I'm not sure I've ever seen uh, one of my teachers willfully eating alongside students in no, the area. Absolutely not. I made that same note. I was like, this does not seem right. Also, Squints is back and his lunch is just a gigantic slice of chocolate cake. <laughs> and like, apparently his parents are like S.E. Hinton's the outsiders and they've just packed him cake for lunch. And Corey and Sean are lamenting their school lunches, which I remember being delicious. I loved school lunches. Yeah, I uh, I was never one. I never ate a school lunch. I, I probably ate 10 school lunches my entire life, packed one every single day. Uh, but I don't think I ever had a giant slice of chocolate cake. No, no. And teachers did not eat lunch in the cafeteria unless they were forced to supervise lunch. Yep. Also, I spotted a teacher in the cafeteria with a man bun. He was in the back, very ahead of his time with that progressive hairstyle. That is ahead of his time. And we uh, we find out here, I mean, we don't actually find it out here, but as we know, we don't actually end up meeting a whole lot of the teachers in, uh, in Boy Meets World. Mr. Feeney teaches them pretty much solely we we do get a, a few other teachers as we'll find out a little bit later but we don't we don't really meet a lot of the staff at John Adam Tai. No, and uh based on this conversation that Corey and Feeney have where Corey walks up to him in the cafeteria and Feeney says, "You know, I have to deal with you for 4 hours in the morning and 3 hours in the afternoon, so I'm eating my lunch, get out of my face." And so he's their only teacher um so we don't, yeah, other than like bringing in 
rotating some teachers in for some side plot lines, we really don't meet any of the other teachers. We also, it was revealed earlier in the episode, we kind of glazed over this. Uh, it is revealed that Feeney is Corey's next door neighbor. Yeah, which is obviously going to become an important plot point throughout the time, uh, almost serving in a similar manner that Wilson would serve to to Tim Allen in Home Improvement as the the neighbor who really is there. I mean, Mr. Feeney obviously plays a huge role in the show, but it, it's convenient to be the next door neighbor when you need somebody to come in and give you advice. Totally. It also lets the parents get roped into the plot lines as well, since Feeney's like right there over the fence. And in fact, the mother comes home and uh, is like, Corey, I heard you have detention on Friday. And he's like, how do you know that? And she's like, Mr. Feeney leaned his head over the fence and told me. And that's how we find out that Feeney's a neighbor. So it it definitely helps um, Feeney solidify himself as like a main part of the show by being the neighbor. So really, really good choice from the writers here. Yeah. And hard to, hard to get away with something when your teacher is living right next door to you. That's an unfortunate <laughs> turn of events for Corey there. Feeney is wearing a red sweater vest in the cafeteria, so he has stuck with the sweaters, but he's changed from one primary color to another uh, as we track yep, that. Yeah, sweater vest episode. reporting live. So Corey decides he's going to move out of the house. He is fed up with what's happening. He's he's mad at his brother, and so Corey is now going to live in this brilliant treehouse that they've got. They don't have much of a yard, but they've got a beautiful tree and a sweet treehouse up in that tree. Really nice treehouse. So Corey's up there. Mom brings out some food. His sister comes out and says, you, know, you can have my doll to keep you company, which is very nice. So it's it's a sweet scene. The family is kind of going along with this, knowing that Corey being Corey, he will probably get over this at some point. Yeah, he, so he said he's going to sleep in his treehouse. Uh, like a monster, he is wearing jeans to spend the night in the treehouse, uh, which sounds so uncomfortable. And... Yeah, his mom brings him out dinner and it's like, I hope you don't get scared of the dark out here. I don't think my parents would have entertained this behavior, but uh, it was very nice of them to go along with it. Yeah, it is. They're very understanding here. I, I mean, he's gotten detention for listening to baseball during school. He he's all he you know, he should be in trouble. He the fact that they're catering the food to him and, and kind of letting him get away with this uh, shows that either you know, they know him really well and know that he's going to kind of cool off or, or they're just pretty lenient. But this is important scene here plot wise because Corey can see into Mr. Feeney's house and Feeney has created this beautiful menu, which we later find out, I believe, is duck confit. No, it is salad nichois. Oh, there you go. Uh, and he, he puts this all beautiful meal together and then gets a phone call. He gets stood up. So Corey kind of sees Mr. Feeney eating alone and, and thinks that he has been stood up by potentially the the teacher that Mr. Feeney was talking to in the cafeteria earlier on. Also, you know you're supposed to be sad because the saxophone music comes in and is telling you that this is a sad scene. <laughs> really, really suggestive sax music. which I think persists through all seven seasons of this show. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah, that, you hear that saxophone and you know you better uh, you better pay attention because something sad's it's happening. getting real. Yeah. Yep. Um, so we, we cut 
back into the bedroom and um, mom comes in. I think is, this is where Corey is, is trying to steal a pair of underwear for himself. Yeah, and he's still pouting about this baseball game. And this is when mom finally is like, okay, I'm going to give you some real talk here because you're really kind of being a baby. Yes. And, but she, she goes along with it really well. She gives some good advice. Uh, and Corey has one of the best lines of the episode here. Mom, hmm? you're always very cordial to me when I lived here. <laughs> yes. Yes. It's so funny. So mom, like you said, is giving out this, this good advice and, and hopefully turning Corey's view on this around. All right. So we cut back to the classroom now. We're back at school. It's the day of detention. Uh, also, there are no other kids in detention, which seems impossible. It is just Corey in detention alone. Uh, detention, also a very weird punishment. Like This makes it seem like if Feeney gives detention, Feeney has to be the one running detention, right? That's a, such a weird punishment. It's like a punishment for the teacher, too. No, that's a great point. Um, and that was a couple of different ways to run detention, I think. But I think most commonly is all the kids who get detention for the day go to the designated teacher who is hosting the detention uh, so that not all of these teachers are being punished. Now, Feeney strikes me as the man who uh, would be the go-to detention hoster. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. You know, he's, he's got a lot of work to do. He's great in papers and stuff, so he doesn't mind sitting around. Um, But yes, giving detention is a punishment as much for the teacher as it is for the students. And that is why I stopped giving them very shortly after I started. Detention is also the third time in the episode that Corey mentions that he is, in fact, 11 years old. (laughs) (laughs) So we're here in detention. And this is where now, I don't know if you caught this, Feeney's now wearing a blue sweater (laughs) vest. He's hit all three primary colors. He's hit the whole gamut there. Uh, Feeney calls love the greatest wonder of the universe, and this is where he really dishes out uh, his his big advice of the episode, and, and where you really find out that that Feeney is is the man who everyone's going to rely on here throughout the show. Yeah. So Corey basically, first of all, he tries to uh, escape detention by doing some actually, uh, as a former dancer, some legit tap dancing steps. He is. <laughs> flap, flap, flap in his little feet. And he's wearing his Philly jersey because he wants to leave to get to the game. And um, because he's a good kid, he leaves detention. Feeney lets him leave. And then he comes right back and says, this stinks, Mr. Feeney. And then he reveals to Mr. Feeney very casually that he was spying on him from his treehouse the other night. Bold move does not even seem to be remotely aware that spying on people is not cool and that he should not be saying this. But he's just like, yeah, Mr. Feeney, love is the worst. And I know you agree with me because I saw you eating that salad all by yourself last night. And then Feeney starts raising his voice. And clearly this is not going as planned for young Corey, 11-year-old Corey. That's right. Uh, yeah, Feeney really lays into him here and and – puts out a nice, really nice description of Corey's family and that there's no greater aspiration than to have loves in our life. And and I, I think really kind of rings home that Corey's being a little bit of a baby, that he's really got a good situation at home, that he uh, he should probably cut his family some slack. It's just vintage Feeney is what it is. I mean, it's a, it's a beautiful speech. 
uh, that just, you know, it's the lesson of the episode, just all bundled up right there for you in a neat little package. Yeah, definitely. So knowing that he kind of comes home from detention and then we get a really good scene with Corey and his dad. There are a couple of funny lines here and, uh, and Corey is really starting to understand that, you know, he, he's feeling bad that he's ditched his dad on occasion to go hang out with his friends and, and his dad's, you know, really understanding of this and says, listen, I'm glad you have friends. And, you know, that's what that's what you do when you grow up. And I want you to be a kid. This is where also back at the house, we see some really great 90s style by Corey. He is wearing a hot pink oversized T-shirt and some super shorty short pastel plaid shorts. I mean, the boy just looks like a little 90s Easter egg. Um, looks like something I would have worn in the nineties as pajamas and he is just absolutely rocking it. Yeah. Corey will be the king of fashion through a lot of these episodes in his various, uh, <laughs> neon colors. So that's really good. And then, uh, Corey goes back upstairs. He's playing duck hunt, which I think we can all relate to in the early nineties as one of the, the greatest games ever created. Uh, you know, I was never great at it. Oh yeah, I'll no, it, it. it was excellent. So he's, he's shooting some ducks and, and, uh, Eric comes in, kind of tells him he's having had a bad date and, uh, things didn't go very well. And I think this is a, an opportunity for Corey to gloat. I mean, he could say, listen, I told you, you should have brought me. It was stupid of you to bring this girl. And, uh, now you've learned your lesson. He says, you know, he doesn't quite say that he says a little bit of that, but then he kind of turns around and encourages Eric to to call his girl again. Yeah. Um, the Phillies are in the playoffs, which I feel is important after all of our, our sweet Phillies talk from earlier, but they won the game. They're in the playoffs. Eric is super dejected because his date went terribly. And then he actually starts taking relationship advice from his 11 year old brother, uh, which is strange in uh, Eric's fashion update, he is wearing a super chunky sweater, which is an odd choice for a ball game in September. But again, he's just looking like pulled from the pages of a Gap catalog. Uh, and him and Corey have a really, I think this is like a really cute scene between the two of them. Yeah, it's, you know, I think they, a lot of TV shows can kind of overplay the sibling rivalry angle a little bit. And you certainly get that throughout the years and throughout the show. Um, but there are also enough of these kind of good moments where they're looking after each other that, that you can kind of believe that they really care about each other. Yeah, it's cute. So he hands the phone over to Eric. I think you caught the size of the phone here is gigantic. Yes, it's humongous. And it's not the first time we'll see a gigantic phone, but yeah, that he hands that over and he says, you know, come on, man, like you don't, you're not great at talking, like go to the movies. You don't have to talk at all. And uh, that that's a very astute moment from young Corey. So we finished that scene and then we head downstairs for kind of the final scene of the episode. Corey is having a tea party with his younger sister. Mom comes in and says, Hey, Morgan, it's time to go to bed. And Corey kind of stands up for her and says, you know, let's, I'll put Morgan to bed. Let me just have a couple of minutes with my sister. Another sweet moment here to kind of wrap up the episode. Yeah, he's, um, you know, he's sort of like paying it forward. He's now become appreciative of 
all the time he spent with Eric and now he realizes how it's fleeting and he's passing that along to his sister and he's giving her some of that special attention that he loves so much from his older brother. And it's it's super cute. They have a little tea party and we get a quote which pretty much sums up the foundation for the entire show, I think. <laughs> yeah. uh, we've got Corey here saying, Because I don't understand anything about my entire life. I think we all can kind of relate to uh, pretty much every day and uh, really is going to set the scene for what happens in future episodes. Another very well-delivered line from Ben Savage. Yeah. No, he, he really does steal the show here. It's kind of understandable why they don't feature Sean or any of his friends really too much in this. They they really want to establish Corey as the main character of the show, and, and he, he does a nice job. Uh, but now we also have a post-credits twist ending. Some M. Night Shyamalan level shit is about to go down. I know there's a post credit scene in the first couple. Is this something, Jacqueline, you remember happening in every episode of the show? I don't remember. Yeah, we're going to find out. I don't, I seem to think that this is something that they probably do for a little while and don't keep up because I don't remember this being a thing, but this is, this is a perfect, perfectly executed post credit scene. There are a few post credit scenes from later episodes that I can remember because they were memorable in one way or another, but I'm not sure if they do it for every episode. And this was a very good one. Yeah. We are, we're back in the cafeteria and we see Mr. Feeney actually ask out that teacher that he was uh, talking to throughout the episode. And he asks if uh, she'd like to have dinner one night instead of cafeteria lunch. And of course, because Mr. Feeney is a boss, she says yes and is like, I would love that. And then as he's walking by Corey's table, he says, oh, I prepared a lovely salad for my sister the other night. I'm quite the cook, but she had to cancel at the last minute. And Corey's staring at him wide-eyed and he leans in and goes, confused, Mr. Matthews? So it turns out it was his sister all along and he didn't actually get stood up on a date. Yeah. And, you know, he says this, he delivers this line right as he's walking by Corey, kind of knowing exactly what he's saying at the exact right time. So confused, Mr. Matthews. He's very smug. He's very smug. <laughs> he is. And he, he kind of earned it with Corey spying yeah, on him and all that. So. Yeah, definitely. Like, learn your lesson, child. Don't spy on people and make assumptions. Exactly. That that does it. That's the first episode on a, just called Pilot, which I think a lot of first episodes are called. But first episode in the books here with Boy Meets World, we've got a lot to kind of dive into. We're going to follow Corey on his adventures all seven seasons, which takes him into college. And uh, that pretty much does it for this episode. I did write down the I don't understand anything about my entire life line, the confused Mr. Matthews, which is Feeney's line at the end. And I also wrote down um, another Feeney line when they're acting out Romeo and Juliet. He says to Squints, now pick up the knife and kill yourself, (laughs) which made me laugh out loud. (laughs) No, really, just to wrap up, I would say to anyone who's listening, thank you so much for, uh, for letting us take over your ears for a little while. And I think as we go through, this is just going to become more and more fun and nostalgic. There's just so much to unpack in these episodes and they really do hold up really well. So I'm excited to, to keep going. Awesome. Well, thanks for going along in this journey with me and to everyone else, we will have another episode out for you soon. So thanks so much. <laughs>